On today's show, we discuss our next stream fundraising charity event and talk about the news as well as a special guest that we had on during the stream. Stay tuned to find out who that was. Hey, this is Reverend David Petty with uh, Crossfire Faith and Gaming, your uh, source for excellent news, some inspiration, uh, and you know, just a general community update about what's going on with us as we try to provide a place that inspires and provides hope and uh, connects faith and gaming. Uh, so, Russ. Yes. I, I was I was going to intro you, and then I just said so, Russ. But uh, yeah, uh, Pastor David Petty here, joined by my co-host Russ Dornish. Uh, Russ, tell them who you are and what we've got in the news today. Okay, yes, I am your co-host, Russ. Um, let's just get into the news. Uh, we got a couple things today um, to talk about. Um, first up, that we'll we'll go ahead and discuss right now is a uh, little bit of PlayStation news. Um, so. The announcement came kind of out of nowhere, but it involved CES uh, last week, and that is the first initial announcement for PSVR 2. And uh, PSVR 2, the, the specs uh, have been released by Sony. Along with the announcement of PSVR 2, uh, they did bring Guerrilla Games out to talk about the fact that they have a uh, Horizon uh, game that is going to be coming out for PSVR 2. So the first game announcement and the first preliminary announcement of the PSVR 2. We have not seen a picture of the item. We don't know the price. We don't know the release date. We just have some specs. And then we also have that first game announcement. Um, a couple of notes on the specs. Uh, the pixels are going to be increased from the original PSVR to 2000 by 2040. The original was at 960 1080, so pretty low res. Um, still OLED, 120 hertz. Uh, it's not going to need as many cables or the camera that the previous PSVR had. Uh, it's also going to feature eye tracking, which we don't know exactly how that's going to work just yet. Um, and then they are having, they did show off new controllers, very similar to um, the other kind of VR controllers out there, minus obviously the PlayStation um, Move controllers, which were just wands that you held in your hand. Now we're actually getting the full range motion hand controls. Uh, Dave, your thoughts? You you are a VR person. Uh, you you love your Oculus Quest two. Um, what are your thoughts on PSVR two and how it's going to kind of come into the space for PlayStation Five owners? Yeah, so I'm I'm playing around on the screen right now. If anybody's watching on our YouTube channel, uh, I just put up our graphics, and you can see here the uh, you know comparison between uh, PSVR two, PSVR, Oculus Quest two, Valve Index. Uh, I still think you know it, Valve Index is an excellent product. The problem they've always had is the price, you know, for a thousand dollars, and it really kind of takes your whole room set up. Uh, you know, on the flip side, something like PSVR that's just a single cable. Um, I, I love the fact that they're going with OLED again. Um, I think I've always said, I, you know, I think if you're able to get the deep blackness that you see in the OLED screens, uh, it'll just 
it'll open up a lot of possibilities. Uh, I love the fact that PSVR 2 is going with 110 degree um, field of view, you know, compared to the Oculus Quest at only 90. Uh, there are definitely times that I feel like I'm looking through goggles with the Quest. I've got to move my head around a lot. Um, so, you know, I, th I really like that, but I've also got to say the thing I love the most about my Oculus Quest 2 is I can take it anywhere I want. I can, I can play in the living room, I can play upstairs, uh, I can play just on the Quest, right, where it's not even required to be connected to another device, or a lot of what I do is I play over the Wi-Fi in my home, and I play PC games on it, like Half-Life Alex. So um, it, that and the ability to travel with it, you know, take it and, and kind of be a VR evangelist, uh, as it were, and take it to people. Like yeah, I took it out to, to visit my mom and let her play around with the little dance with the robot game. Uh, it was a whole lot of fun. So, you know, I still think the future of VR is, is wireless. It has to be. Um, I think the future of VR is really wide uh, displays, very high res displays, uh, high refresh rate displays. I'm really confused about the eye tracking. Not sure what they're going to do there, but, uh, you know, we'll ha I'm sure that they'll announce it and we'll have to see. And then we'll just, you know, we'll go from there. So I'm excited to see what they come out with. And as always, I think competition in the market is excellent, um, you know, because it was just Oculus out there competing on a lower price point. Um, you wouldn't see the, the ways that it's getting pushed uh, like, you know, I think you, you see that it is. And on the flip side, here's the other thing. We have a, uh, a little bit of a leak, kind of a rumor at this point on the Oculus Quest 3 uh, and possibly some new display tech there. Uh, there's rumor that uh, coming in 2022, uh, quarter two, that we're going to see the Meta Cambria, which will be essentially uh, mini LED screens. And then we're going to see the Quest 3 planning to include uh, OLED display and that that might be coming in 2023 uh, with a resolution um, a little bit higher than the current one. So we'll see, you know, again, just rumors right now, but uh, I'm excited about the future of VR. The thing I've always said about VR right now is for me, it's a proof of concept. Um, I, I don't see a ton of people playing VR all the time, but it's, we're starting, we're starting to see, I would predict right marking in the calendar here i would predict that in 10 years we see um a 10 times increase in the number of people using vr uh, as a share of the marketplace yeah i think i think what we're really going to see is yeah once it becomes a little bit more mainstream a little bit easier to obtain i i mean i can see a lot of usages for vr besides just gaming and i said that when the original psvr came out and i was hoping they would see some of that a little bit more um, for instance, I would really love, and they've done it a couple times, but they haven't really made it as mainstream or as easily as accessible, but like the ability to pay a small fee to sit courtside at a basketball game in VR live, to be able to go and sit at the Super Bowl in VR live, um, for, you know, a smaller fee, 50 bucks and you get a, you know, a seat at the 50 yard line. Now I could see the issue there being, well, then who's going to want to actually go to the event and pay all that money to be there in person when they can have a pretty darn good experience in VR? I have no idea. But I know they've done it with a couple sporting events. Um, I wish they would just do it regularly because I, I would use it all the time to watch sports if that was the case. Um, the idea of uh, the social aspect of maybe having you know a watch party with friends and you guys all sitting in the theater, uh, similar to the Netflix uh, watch party that they had when Netflix first uh, started, uh, they, they got rid of um, that would be cool there's there's so many different ways that we could use VR in the future that 
is more mainstream than just games that hopefully making it more accessible and kind of a normal thing makes that kind of come to light even more and people start to use it so very excited with the p or the vr news and excited to see where they go to kind of piggyback off the psvr news um there is a rumor about a playstation event next month we don't know much else about it uh but my assumption is that it's going to have to do with a little bit more psvr 2 news uh the other thing too is the rumor about the new subscription service for playstation that has been making its rounds for a couple months now on whether or not playstation is going to offer something similar to game pass although what i think they're going to really do is they're going to improve playstation now and mash it into playstation plus for one price uh, i think that's the smartest thing to do um dave what are your thoughts on the expected event what do you expect to see or want to see and uh, what are your thoughts on the potential new playstation now playstation plus subscription yeah, I think you're right in that they have to combine the two. Uh, I think separating them, it, it just feels like nickel and diming. Uh, it, it's nice for, for people like me right now because I uh, don't particularly want to go back and play the PS3 games, you know, the PS2 games that you're getting with the PS Now subscription. Uh, so I like just getting the PlayStation Plus for a cheaper price. That being said, I do think that you look at the Game Pass offerings and you look at the PlayStation offerings and there's just still no comparison between the two. Um, pretty much any game that I want to play that's a PC or Xbox game is available on Game Pass, especially when you consider all of the additional EA games. Uh, whereas with the PS, it's, you know, there's, there's a good library there, especially the PS5 users getting access to the PS4 exclusives. Um, but I think they're going to combine it. I think it's going to be uh, one price or or two prices, kind of like you see with Game Pass right now. You've got Game Pass and you've got Game Pass Ultimate and you've got Game Pass for PC. I think if they just go with PlayStation Plus and they have like PlayStation Plus Ultimate or, you know, I don't know. I don't know what they call it. You know, PlayStation Plus Plus. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> But yeah, so that, and then that being said, the other thing with uh, rumored event and the things that I want to see, uh, obviously I want to see more out of uh, Horizon Forbidden West. I want to see more about the new Horizon uh, VR game experience thing that they talked about. Uh, obviously, as I've talked about many, many times on this channel, uh, I've got an eight-year-old daughter. She loves cats. The thing we are most excited about, and she was asking me today, is I want to know when Stray is coming out. Uh Give me more stray news, you know. Tell me, tell me when I get to play a game and be a cat and just roam around a city being a cat. Um, give me an open world cat game. But uh, yeah, I also want to see more more news on just all of the games that we're expecting. Maybe finally find out what in the world uh, Kojima has been up to, and uh, you know, see if we're actually gonna get another Silent Hill. If we're gonna get another Death Stranding. If we're I don't know. I don't know. I think I think my hope is to answer the questions that everybody still has uh, and maybe even get to see the PSVR 2, not just the PSVR 2 specs. Yeah. Well, I you have to imagine they're going to do its own PSVR 2 event. I don't know if they would really focus this whole one on that, or this could be just more games. We also need to see more God of War. You know, we, we saw so much of Horizon. We're less than a month. We're about a month away from Horizon right now. Right. And so we've seen a ton of it. Obviously, God of War, we've only seen one official gameplay trailer um, that we got last fall. So I, I would imagine we're going to see more of that with whatever they show. 
We've got Gran Turismo coming out soon, uh, right. another PlayStation exclusive. So I'm assuming we'd see that. We always see that in these type of events. So it'll be very interesting to see what what is shown. But um, my guess is we'll see. It, it'll be mainly focused, I think, around the new subscription service. That's something that's coming soon. I feel like that would be a smart use of a February event with some indie games thrown in. So we'll see. Let me ask you uh, a, a you, predictional question here. Okay. When, How far out do you think we are from hearing any news about the next generation? Not generation, sorry. The next level of PlayStation hardware. The the PS5 like Plus. The Slim. Or, or Pro, right? Point, the, the PS5 I mean, Slim. PS5 Pro, Xbox, or PlayStation probably for another... I'd say at at bare minimum two years. Um, I'm thinking they, maybe more. Three they could come out with a handheld device called the PS5 Fingers. Hey, that's another <laughs> thing completely entirely is the idea that could PlayStation ever get back into the handheld game? You know, with the success of the Switch, is it time to bring back PlayStation Vita Part Two? That's another question entirely, and one that has been rumored for a very long time that they could see happening. So who knows if that actually will happen, uh, but I think we're still, and especially, this is the thing you got to remember, with us having such supply constraints, everybody that wants a PlayStation or an Xbox does not have one. Right. So if I'm Sony and PlayStation, I'm delaying whatever next hardware upgrade until most of the people who want the next or the current system can get the current system. Right. Then you'll announce that next one, because right now it's just going to take more of a hard-willed you know, waiting to actually get these consoles rather than, oh, I'm just going to wait till PS5 Pro, um, yeah, I, which I've, I've heard some people say. Frequently have to remind myself how fortunate I am to have uh, have a friend like Russ that got me the news when PS5 launched. Uh, I still run, you know, I'm talking to people and they're like, man, you have a PS5? That's crazy. I don't know anybody that's, it's like, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty cool. So uh, what else do we have in the, you mentioned some handheld news. Uh, what yeah. else do we have in the, the handheld world there? Well, the the big news, of course, just came down today, um, which, as we are recording, is January 10th. And that is that uh, Take-Two has acquired Zynga. For those of you who don't know, Take-Two is also the subsidiary company that owns Rockstar Games, i.e. God of War and Red Dead Redemption. On the other side, Zynga is famous, of course, for uh, uh, Farm... What was it again? Farm, I, I, Farmville. Farmville. Farmville, Farmville uh, works right. with friends. Lots of those mobile games that you know your mom, grandma, all of those people play on a regular basis. Okay, let's uh, let's be real just for a second. We know that you play them too. I play them too. You know they are the they are the games that everybody plays. It's okay. There's no shame. We know that in the bathroom you're probably farming your potatoes and you're playing with words with friends. Yeah. Totally fine. Oh, everyone's playing words with friends. That's for sure. That is for sure. Um, but yes, this is a huge deal because what was the cost, Dave? How much did Take Two pay for this mobile developer? Well, for their little slice of the Farmville, uh, they paid twelve point seven billion dollars. Uh, you compare that to like uh, Microsoft's purchase of Zenimax for what ten billion, I think, and uh, you know the the uh, other. Seven billion dollars. Yeah, Twelve. This has got to be some of the biggest money being thrown around uh, for them to acquire. And and I'm just wondering, you know, 
where's the long play here? Uh, you know, is the future mobile games? Uh, are they trying to bring Red Dead to Farmville 3? Uh, you know, Farmville 3 takes place in Valentine. Or uh, are they trying to let you uh, play words with friends in Grand Theft Auto? I, yeah, I don't know. Or is it just a completely separate thing that they see how profitable Zynga is and they just want a piece of the pie? I don't know. I don't know where they're going with it. But uh, uh, it's, mean, it's an interesting... They're very different developers. So, interesting acquisition. I, I think the big thing is, I mean, mobile gaming is here to stay. Mobile gaming is a huge deal. Um, and, and I think it is. It's, it's very similar to Microsoft uh, when they purchased uh, Minecraft developer... Um, it, they just knew that that was a just very large sector of the gaming universe, and as a result, you know, just being able to own a piece of that is enough to you know profit off of it. So I think it's just a smart move by Take Two to get a developer that's very valuable, um, that aligns with their gaming division, and they can do something with, uh, and give them a little bit more resources as well. Because we all know Take uh, Take Two Interactive has a lot of money. Lot of money thanks to that grant that well, there, and it, it does look like in, in market news that Zynga stock shot up nearly 50% <laughs> on this announcement. So, what that tells you is the general market values Zynga half as much as Take Two Interactive does. Uh, I, I don't even know, I don't know. It'll be fascinating to see what's going on in the future with these companies. Yeah, it would have gone back in time, and uh, you know, uh. Maybe put some money down on uh, Zynga before today happens. Right. Plant plant uh, some seeds in that farm. That's right. Oh, my gosh. You you had to go there, didn't you? I did. I, well, and I, I saw they're coming out with Farmville 3 uh, that clearly oh, I am. Three? Apparently we're on 3. I missed 2. I, you know, I farmed some potatoes back in my day. Early days of Facebook. So, yeah. And in other news... Uh, one of my favorite platforms, gaming on the PC, uh, has its handheld device coming out soon. The Steam Steam Deck, right? I keep getting confused because I got the Stream Deck here on the on the table. Uh, but yeah, the Steam Deck is coming out. But uh, in some unfortunate news recently, it looks like the Steam Deck has been, uh, you know, it's rumored to have eight hours of battery life. Uh, people sound, seem pretty excited about that. But in some recent news, it looks like there may only be two to five hours of battery life. Uh, this, of course, being probably a problem with the fact that with uh, PC games, you're not always optimizing the graphics. Uh, some games take a lot of graphics, and graphics requires power, and power on batteries is, of course, limited. So it uh, looks like that battery life not as good as the Nintendo Switch. Uh, still interested to see. I, I'm not going to get one on launch, but I really want to play with somebody else's uh, stream deck whenever they get one. So, Russ, what are your thoughts yeah. on the stream deck, battery life, and how it's comparing with the Nintendo Switch? You know, I'm very interested in the stream deck. Um, a Steam deck. See, I even <laughs> did it. Oh, my gosh. Um, I'm, I'm very interested in it. And, um, you know, we'll see. I, I, I definitely, it's not something that I want to adopt day one. Uh, but I definitely want to uh, see some of the reviews, see how it goes, see how it plays actual games, um, you know, all that. It may be something I, I, I look at down the future. I don't really need it right the second. I mean, I, I don't even play my Switch an, as much as I should. And I think that's kind of a big deal. And for me, it's like, okay, 
how much would I play on the go all these AAA games that I'm already not doing on my Switch? So we'll we'll see. But I'm very interested to see how the reviews go for it, if people really like it, um, if what they promise actually comes about and it's a very good platform that plays those AAA games really well. Um, and then also see what what uh, what does the battery life hold for it, you know? Because if you want something to be a mobile device, you got to be able to play at least a couple hours, you know, without it dying. We don't want any issues where it's like you don't get, you know, what you pay for out of it. Um, so very interested to see how it all works out. We'll see once it comes to launch. Uh, I can't remember when it launches. Next year, I think. I thought it was um, this year. Or, Isn't no, it? And, and fall. Fall, right? This year, I think. I don't remember. I'm going to have to look it up. Stream Deck release date. Uh, ooh, looks like it is pushed back. Yep. Uh, let's see here. Push back two months to February 2022. So, I mean, that's right around the corner. Oh, okay. That That's right. It was supposed to come out this fall. There you go. Yeah, uh, this last and, fall. Yeah, and it got delayed right. to, to spring. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. It, I'm, it's close enough that I'm sure there's a bunch of people that already have one in their hands. Uh, we, unfortunately, as super popular reviewers, uh, we were surprised not to get <laughs> uh, Stream Deck shipped directly to us so that we could review it. Uh, so, Valve, if you're listening, next time, get us on that list. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what it is and see how it goes. And uh, I feel like the, the prime suspect for the... Uh, consumer of the stream deck i can just picture my sister who plays a lot of uh she plays a lot of games that are not graphically intensive right so your stardew valley type games or your animal crossing uh that play really really well on mobile um, but she plays them sometimes on the pc so she could take her pc stardew valley that she's invested 500 hours into and <laughs> she could take it on the go rather than having to you know balance between two different devices and two different worlds so i don't know fascinating to see i'm can't wait to get my hands on one but uh why don't you give us an update uh let's transition here into an update on the event that we just did the next stream um, and I'm, I'll tell you, uh, everybody, what it was in case you missed our announcement about it. And then, Russ, I'll let you give the update on yep. how we did. Uh, so the next stream was a collaboration between uh, Methodist Gaming out of Virginia, uh, Checkpoint Church out of North Carolina, and, of course, us, uh, Crossfire Faith and Gaming out of uh, Montana, Denver, Mountain Sky area. And uh, so we gathered together for 24 hours to do a charity stream and raise money for UMCOR for tornado relief. And our goal was for each community to raise $1,000 so that we would raise a collective $3,000. So Russ, how did we do? Well, uh, our, and I'll say this. When we originally talked about this, we thought, okay, let's raise $1,000, right? We never talked about us splitting up $1,000 each group. We just said a thousand dollars because we've never broken the thousand dollar mark in a charity stream. Um, then when we kind of started, I found out that we were shooting for a thousand each, and I was like, "There's no way we can do this." <laughs> no offense to us, no offense to everything going on. I felt like this was going to be huge, um, a, a huge task to get because I know that each of us have done charity streams before, and none of us have hit the thousand dollar mark in a single stream. Um, so to do a thousand each, I wasn't sure. Well, at the end of the 24 hours, we raised $3,025, I think. I think it was 3000 um, Yeah, maybe maybe 3025 yeah. 
Yeah, Some, something, something like that. that. Just over the $3,000 mark. So we did hit our goal. Each of us pretty much raised $1,000 throughout the stream. It was an amazing, fun evening. We averaged anywhere between 15 to 20 viewers on stream, um, hitting as high as 30 viewers at one point. Um, it was just a really, really great and fun experience. We had a lot of fun in each of our streams. I hung out with Methodist Gaming on Friday night, um, playing Fortnite and Halo with them. Um, Dave and I played a bunch of different games on Saturday. I, I checked in and out of Nate's stream, you know, during the early morning hours of Saturday. Um, just a really great event, a lot of fun with those guys, and something that I can definitely see us doing in the future, especially with how successful it was. Um, Dave, what were your thoughts on how the stream went and uh, maybe maybe one of your highlights that you had for the stream? Yeah, I think um, overall, I mean, the, the generosity that, that people had, and I'm going to say uh, that you guys had, right? You as our, our Crossfire community, I'm assuming some of the same people who listen to the podcast might be part of the community. Um, I was just blown away by, by our generosity of folks out there. Um, I was not expecting us to hit a thousand dollars each. I was not expecting us to hit, you know, I thought maybe we could do 1500 total. Um, so when I, when we logged in for the third shift, uh, you know, to find out that we were already near our goal to, you know, that we just had to kind of bring it home. Um, I was blown away. So I just cannot say thank you enough. I think some major highlights for me, uh, was, uh, number one, just getting past the technical <laughs> issues we had at the early part of the stream. Uh, my whole computer came to a grinding halt and I was sure I was going to have to shut down the whole stream. Um, so to get past that was a, a major success. Uh, I think just, just connecting with people, the community, um, I, I was kind of surprised actually how few hours we spent playing games because we just spent a lot of time talking and hanging out. Um, but then I think the other major highlight for me was, uh, we didn't even have this planned that we just said, Hey, wouldn't it be cool if we could get a special guest on here? And at like nine o'clock in the morning, I sent a text message. And so we were able to get uh, Bishop Karen Olavito on our stream and she gave us a wonderful interview. Uh, and so we want to give you guys a treat at home. If you're listening now that, uh, we're going to give you a snippet from that interview, um, for the next piece of the podcast today. And so that we'll just end the podcast that way. Let you guys listen to that. Um, because I was kind of surprised uh, that, uh, she apparently was a gamer. Russ, any surprises before we get into the, the interview? You know, I had, I had a lot of different highlights and surprises. Um, hanging out with Methodist gaming Friday night was a lot of fun. Um, things got a pretty crazy as the night went on. Um, yeah, you stayed up all night, late. didn't you? <laughs> I, most of the night. I, I got like four four hours, four or five hours of sleep, uh, more than some of the people did. I know Nate um, from Checkpoint only got, I think, 30 minutes of sleep is what he told us. He fell asleep on the couch after his stream for a few minutes and then woke himself up. Uh, so, you know, I, I definitely got more than a lot of people did. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it was really cool. Uh, that she was able to jump in there um you know it was it was kind of last minute we did not have that plan we did not talk to her beforehand which we probably should have it was just literally a spur of the moment thing and she gave 20 25 minutes of her time um to discuss and talk to us which was like i said completely awesome for her to do very appreciated and and definitely uh you know stick around and listen for that interview because it's just so cool to find out you know that she does uh game and you know what she sees as the future of gaming uh for the the church and and online ministry as a whole uh i think was really cool as well so 
stay tuned for that and uh we will catch you guys uh on the next podcast uh after you guys listen to the uh fantastic interview with her yep so we're gonna have a little bit of music and then we'll go right into the interview I do hear her. Bishop Karen is here. So we're actually going to not play Rocket League. We're going to say hey to Bishop Karen. <laughs> um, so you have been playing together for like over 24 hours already. Um, almost. Almost. The, the goal is we'll stop at 24 hours. So um, we've, we've kind of taken shifts uh, and done different times. I stayed up until about 2 a.m. Uh, and then handed it off. And uh, yeah, that's that's what we're doing now that so pretty fantastic yeah it's been it's been great the the responses have been great um obviously i mean we our goal was originally to raise a thousand dollars and we've almost raised three thousand dollars so excellent excellent well hey I, I just am so blown away this is like two of my favorite things um core and gaming i mean i just love it i can't believe you all have put this together What's your background with games or gaming? Um, why don't you start? What's the first video game you've ever played? Well, video, I got to go back. I, you know, I'm old school, old school, old school. I really started with pinball. Okay. That's how old school I go. But then started with video games. Um, I just got for Christmas. My favorite Christmas gift is an Oculus 2. And so I, I, I see you're on it, David. So I'm yeah, like, I've, I've got mine right here. I, I just am so, I, I do. I love it. I've always loved, you know, early video games. Um, you know, for a while, you know, this thing called ministry got in the way of it. But I love that you've combined ministry and gaming. I think that's fantastic. I didn't realize that you were such a gamer. You know what? There's a lot you don't know about me. You think you know. People think they know who I am. They know this much, and it's everything that was blown out of proportion. <laughs> well, and there's one of the things that we do try to do in our gaming ministries is we, we talk a lot about destigmatizing gaming, uh, you know, because for a lot of people, you know, especially like, you know, 30 year old guys, uh, you know, you tell people that you play video games and they wonder if you have a job and if you live in your parents' basement, um, you know. Imagine to which the answer 60, is, it doesn't really matter. But yeah, Imagine if you're a 63-year-old lesbian bishop. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we've got uh, Nate in the chat, and he runs uh, Checkpoint Church over in Western North Carolina. Uh, Nate says hello from Western North Carolina and from Checkpoint Church. Uh, also says, what's up? Uh, and uh, Nate is wondering what games you play on your Oculus. Well, so I just got it for Christmas. Um I, I, you know, I'm, I'm also a rock drummer, so I, I got smash drums, um, do Beat Saber. Um, someone just gave me mini golf because they want to play against me. Um, and then I do fitness stuff. Awesome. Nice. That's very cool. Yeah. How is the how is the mini golf on Oculus? Well, I just, someone just gave it to me yesterday, and it's so funny because I want to walk the green, and you have to remember not to because it's like, oh, I just bumped into my boundary. <laughs> so yeah, unless you've got a really pretty, big pretty space awesome. to play in, yeah, yeah, no, it's pretty awesome. I like it, but I really love um, the smash drums. I love kind of rocking out. That's nice. awesome. That's, That's very awesome. cool. Yeah. Very very cool. 
So, um, so tell me a little bit about, uh, we've been talking about how we, um, you know, we're doing this for UMCOR. And so I was wondering about your experience with either UMCOR or with kind of relief efforts in general. Uh, I mentioned to the folks that you had mentioned uh, on the call the other day that you were in San Francisco during some of the earthquakes. So tell us about any of your other experiences or, or anything that you can that'll help us gain more insight into what uh, UMCOR and the Methodist Church and relief efforts are like. Right. Well, my, my first interest started in my first church. I was in a very rural church in upstate New York where, you know, if you were a guy, you were part of the volunteer fire department. But what are you if you were a clergywoman? So I became a, um, the ambulance driver. And, you know, you're at every disaster then in the town. But, um, but then when I moved to California, uh, was doing campus ministry when the 1989 earthquake hit. I mean, literally, I watched the stairs in my campus ministry like look like an accordion. And instantly, about a 1,000 students were displaced. The library was shut down for an entire year. Um, and, you know, we lost I mean, a whole section of the city was just, it was, it was a horrible disaster. Bridge fell down, part of the bridge. And... Um, you know, United Methodist showed up. And I think that's what's amazing. We show up. The strength of our connection is it shines whenever there's a disaster through our money, through our volunteer efforts. You know, and, and it's it's why I think we as, as United Methodists, our connectionalism is such a powerful thing. If we can if we can make such a difference in disasters, what can we do in our everyday together? Wow. So I've got a, a question in the chat here. Somebody says, uh, what is your, who is your favorite drummer? Oh, well, you know, okay. okay Do you have okay. a favorite drummer? Uh, you know, uh, well, I, I have to say that why, how I got into drumming was um, watching Karen Carpenter, right? It's kind of like the same thing with being a clergywoman. You don't see another woman, and then you see one, it's like, oh my gosh, I can do that. And it was very similar when I was a teenager. So how I finally really seriously got into drumming was um, I, I finished a PhD. It took way longer than it should have, way longer. I'm embarrassed to say how long. And I um, wound up wanting to get out of my head and started rock drumming. So I bought a kit off eBay. It has a huge dead head, you know, Grateful Dead sticker on it. So it's all, it's, I tried to black it out when I've been playing in churches, but it's just oh, nice. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, we got some other we got some other um, questions coming through. Um, I, I like this question. I want to jump to this. Um, how can we best lean into our Methodist connection in this new era of the metaverse? I.e., I think probably like technology and just our connection to everything. You know, I was just talking to someone um, last weekend about it. Actually, you know, the metaverse. I mean, you can actually buy property. You could start churches. I mean, we need to be looking at how are we going to do virtual church together. So. I, I think we got to lean into it. And I bet you, you all can be at the forefront of that. So are you going to be the church planters of the metaverse? Uh, 
I mean, that's kind of, I mean, uh, Nate, uh, his, his ministry is a full on church plant. He's an appointed pastor of that, uh, digital church all in an online space. And, you know, who knows, we, we, we aren't sure exactly where we're going, but yeah, it definitely looks like it's, it's heading in that direction. Right, Dave? Yeah. Yeah, I think there's, you know, the, the three communities that we've gathered around this event, um, Crossfire, Checkpoint Church, and uh, the Methodist Gaming, um, exist in kind of unique spaces, I think, and all of us are trying to figure out what does the church look like in a digital space? Uh, and what does the church look like for digital natives, uh, for people for whom the digital space is more their regular community than a physical space? Um, you know, they're working online, they're engaging in community online, they're playing games online, you know, maybe they're go to the grocery store and they go out and about but for the most part it's a totally different world than you know what we were used to 20 years ago Um, so how do we we be the church there but even if we were it's even what we were used not what we were used to two years ago i mean my biggest concern is I, i love you know covid kicked the church into the 21st century and my biggest fear is that we're not going to continue to move forward into it. And some of that is this metaverse and, mm. and you know, being being in it, not being afraid to be evangelists in it, not being afraid to do discipleship in it. So, yeah, I, I think I think we have an incredible opportunity now. Nice. So I've got a couple. Uh, oh, hey, uh, quick shout out. Rev Lisa P just donated fifty dollars. Um, I sent it to my sisters. Who's that? And said, who's, I was just gonna uh, say, this was that? my sister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so we're up to uh, twenty five hundred and sixty now. Um, very exciting. Um, so I've got a couple other things in the chat here. Uh, somebody asked how. It looks like Nate asks how best we can lean into our Methodist connection in the new era of the metaverse. Oh, that's the one uh, I asked. And then uh, following up on that, do you? Think think that the digital church planting will become the new norm? Uh, Nate says it feels so rare. I think I think it will, especially with digital natives, it has great potential. I think with non-digital natives, it will be um, it, it won't take off. And it, but but I think I think we do have potential because it is the future. It is how we're going to live and move and 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 be in relationship together. Yeah. I think it's so hard that that piece of that um, trying to bridge that gap with the people for whom it is their digital, you know, the, the native space for where they live and move and breathe and uh, and engage. And then there's all the folks that that maybe don't understand it, don't want to understand it. Uh, and how do we bridge the gap to make a space that's open and welcoming and inclusive and, and make sure that we don't leave people out, but while still reaching out to those who may have been left out already. Right. I mean, we talk about in creating cross fire like there were there were people we were reaching out to for whom they said i will never step foot in a church building ever again but an online community was a place that could actually engage with the church and with ministry but and, and that to me to go back to our united methodist tradition that is part of the strength of who we've always been right we've gone to those new places to meet new people and I think we've forgotten how to do that when we became so building centric and, and created idols out of our building. COVID helped us recognize how much of an idol we made of our buildings. So I think this whole what you're doing is exactly I mean, Wesley would be here, right? Yeah, he would have put a whole lot less miles on his horse. 
<laughs> that's that's absolutely true. It's uh, you know a whole lot less miles. You you wouldn't even need a chamber horse. You just you just have a gaming chair. Right. So it looks like uh, Lisa is here. So my sister, uh, she says hello, Bishop and brother. The conversation is great. Thanks for having it. So Lisa, thanks for being first time a chat viewer. And then uh, Wisen Lemer, who's uh, John. Uh, you know John uh, from uh, I, I'm pretty sure you know John up in Boulder. Uh, John Angermeyer Estes. is yeah. there. Estes. In, or in Estes. That's right. Um, says I think you'd be surprised at how well the elderly, like 85 plus, have done with digital and Zoom church. And then uh, our last couple of questions here, because Bishop, I know you've probably got a bunch yeah. of things to run yeah. off to. You know, yeah. um, just a couple more minutes. Yeah. So I, I don't want to take up uh, too much of your time here. But uh, Nate asks one other question here, saying, "What can digital church leaders do to help rural community churches?" And uh, and then Lonnie actually responded to it, and he said, "Keep doing what you're doing because he's in a rural area." So um, any other thoughts that you have? This, yeah, yeah. Because our, our rural communities, our poor communities, there's a huge digital divide. I think part of what the church needs to be doing is major advocacy for these places. I think our churches need to be hubs. I mean, I think we need to look at, you know, Starlink and all of that and figure out how we can make sure our churches are these hubs so that people can connect to the to the internet highway. Uh, because I am really concerned that we are, it, it's only, that digital divide is only widening the economic divide, the political divide so much. And so one of the biggest things we can do is advocacy. Yeah. And I do think that that connecting those places digitally, if they're willing, is one of the ways that it will help those places not to feel so disconnected. Exactly. Um, I know when I was serving in Meeker as a rural church that, that one of the biggest disconnects was they felt so disconnected from Denver um, because not a whole lot. You know, they're, they're not even off I-70, you know, so it was just so disconnected. Um, but I think, yeah, whatever we can do, I totally agree. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to have to jump off, but this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for inviting me in. Yeah, thank, thank you for coming. Crash the party. But, and, 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 but more than that, thank you for this ministry and the way you're raising money that will really help those who are in need and suffering. Thank you so much. God bless. Thank you, Bishop. Yeah, and thank someday you. We'll, thank have you. Play, we'll have to play virtual golf together. I, no, I want to do smash drums. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, or, we'll or, do that. Do, we will do a I smash do, drum I'll stream. One more. I do warplanes too, but it's only because I like to fly. So. <laughs> nice. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for swinging by. Take care. Bye bye. Well, that okay. was awesome. That was cool. Not often you get that to, to happen.